Welcome to the Faith Seeking Freedom Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. Your questions about faith and liberty deserve thoughtful answers, and we're dedicated to giving you solid responses so you can live free and flourish. How might a Christian libertarian perspective differ from a secular or humanistic-based libertarian perspective? Nick, do you want to tackle this? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I always kind of observed back when I was in my earlier political years, when I was doing semi-professional and and professional politicking, is that I was around a lot of other libertarians who lined up with me on economics and on what should be done in foreign policy and all these sorts of practical policy applications, but our ethics were widely divergent. And I encountered a lot of people who, in the political realm, I have a great deal of of respect for, but when you start digging down into their philosophy, I mean, it. they seem to think that the biggest problems in the world uh, have to do with the fact that they can't smoke marijuana legally, you know? I mean, and yeah, that's an issue. Uh, as libertarians, we would favor uh, decriminalization. But, I mean, for some people who don't have a Christian worldview, that's that's like everything to them is that sort of thinking. And really... When you reflect on it, and we're actually going to talk about this in a, in a forthcoming episode here on spiritual warfare, but what's going on in the fabric of our world is ultimately a spiritual battle. We're talking about the kingdom of God, who is the rightful king of the world, versus the kingdom of darkness. And everything we see that is an extension of sin, including the state, is really emanating from the kingdom of darkness. And so to somebody who doesn't have that perspective that we have from knowing the word of God, they can only think in strictly human categories. So they don't even know who the real enemy is. And the advantage and the blessing we have here as Christian libertarians is that by the grace of God, we know that sin, Satan, death, the world, the flesh, the devil, those are the real enemies. And everything we see in statism, in tyrannical governments, in war, all of it is emanating from those more fundamental spiritual issues. And so as Christian libertarians, having that perspective, we can really apply the word of God to the work we're doing and know that it's not in vain. Even if we struggle to win policy battles or things like that, the kingdom of God is ultimately going to triumph. And in order to really make those kind of reforms that we would like to see in the world as libertarians, we have to start by looking into the sin in our own hearts, in our families, in our churches, in our local communities, and really being able to live that out so as to be a light to others. And that, I think, is the real fundamental distinctive between a Christian libertarian and a secular libertarian. And that's not to knock my secular libertarian friends at all. I have many of them who are very good friends. But the bottom line is, if you don't know the word of God, if you don't know the Lord, then you don't really know the true enemy that you're facing. Something that I've thought about on this topic is I view my Christian worldview 
sort of like my operating system. And it's the baseline operating system of my life. It is the it is what I compare all other things to to see if they are congruent or if they will they'll work, you know, with that operating system. And I see libertarianism as an app that, you know, operates on top of that operating system, right? So and it's congruent and I bring that in and then that informs. So my my Christian faith and worldview and the tenets of the kingdom of God inform the way that I live my life. And then libertarianism is this additional sort of app or another lens that I see the world through. And it doesn't override anything in my operating system. You know, my operating system is the primary and it tr- it trumps everything. And so libertarianism, which is totally congruent with my operating system, that works. And so the way that I act as a libertarian is congruent with the way that I act as a Christian. With somebody who has a secular operating system, you know, libertarianism operates and works with that as well. You don't have to have uh, a Christian ethical system or a secular ethical system in order to function as a libertarian. But those differing operating systems will lead us to different conclusions about certain political positions that we might take, certain opinions that we have about how we're going to interact with other people in the world, and ultimately the importance maybe that we put on these political battles and fights and realize that those are secondary to the larger spiritual battle and struggle that's happening and that's playing out, you know, in the world. I think that's kind of a good setup for the next question. Uh, Jesse from Facebook says, what should Christian libertarians think about militant atheists or seculars that vehemently attack Christianity? What do you think? Well, you know, that is uh, ultimately a question about what is the position that we are to have as Christians towards other human beings, no matter who they are. And, you know, the primary approach that we're to have is is that of love. And, you know, I think um, Martin Luther King Jr. has a really great speech that he gave on Christmas in 1957, I believe. And um, he talks about how, you know, as Christians, when we when we come up against somebody who might see us as an enemy to them or opposes what we do, even persecutes us in that way, you know, our duty as a Christian is to love them and to try to see their humanity and to befriend them and find a way to win them over as a human being and see the image of God in them, though marred, as we all are. And that, you know, that insight that Martin Luther King Jr. had when he was, you know, being personally attacked, the church in house was being bombed, like the KKK was like, you know, on the march and like, you know, physically abusing, you know, minorities and all of this sort of thing. And, and that was his position. And it's, it echoes, you know, Jesus's uh, position when he, when he taught us, you know, where to love our enemies and where to bless those and pray for those that persecute us. And I think in our Christian, in our world, sometimes we see that love your enemy admonition from Jesus 
and we think, yeah, I do need to love that person at church that annoys me or that coworker I don't really like. And, you know, Jesus is talking about the people who are going to crucify him. Um, you know, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do when he's on the cross, you know? So he's talking about the people that are most antagonistic to the message of Christ and the person of Christ and the mission of Christ and the kingdom of God. And so when we look at that in our own economy now, it's like, who are the enemies that, you know, Christians or the church looks out into the culture and sees and says, that's the enemy of Christianity. I think many times the the way that a lot of Christians and churches act, it's like, oh, it's Muslims and homosexuals and it's all of these, these people and atheists and people who live their lives in ways that are not congruent with the Bible, which, you know, God doesn't even expect people who are lost to live in accordance with the Bible. That's not even, wouldn't even make sense. You know, we're not even empowered to live in accordance with the teachings of Christ without the Holy Spirit. And so I think that our position to those that are antagonistic to the message of Christianity is love and to try to find opportunities of common ground and common humanity to relate to those people on so that we can have an audience with them, that we can build relationships with them and that we can win them and definitely not take the position of of humiliating them or attacking them or making them feel like they are idiotic or making them feel like they're outside of the club, so to speak. So that's that's my position on that. Yeah, it seems like, and again, we're not, you were kind of addressing people who are militant atheists in general, but I have met uh, libertarians who are pretty atheistic and have no room for a theistic perspective. And, you know, as Nick sort of referred to earlier, we have, there's some common ground there for us to have, we have a common enemy, whether they have it named or not, and, or maybe they refuse to name it as, you know, the Satan or something like that. Having a common enemy means that you can join forces to some extent and work toward a common good in the libertarian realm. And what that might do in terms of, you know, getting a little bit better reputation on behalf of Christians is the libertarian Christian can demonstrate that political consistency does not mean that we have to ban gay marriage or that we have to build a wall or that we have to, you know, enforce things that traditionally conservative Christians are known for insisting that we, you know, prohibit legally and things like that. So it's a it can be an opportunity to reach out to those who are kind of anti-Christian, but we still have this like join arms on the libertarian side of things, be kind of a good opportunity for us. This podcast was inspired by our popular book, Faith Seeking Freedom, which is available on Kindle, softcover, and audiobook at faithseekingfreedom.com. Want your questions answered on our podcast? Email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so we can reach more Christians with the message of liberty.